We've been focusing on this text between verses 18 of chapter 3 and chapter 4, verse 6. Let's pray and read the word of the Lord. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you would give us ears to hear. Father, you would give us eyes to see. Father, you would give us souls receptive to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, help us. Help us to walk, each one of us, in a manner worthy of our calling. Father, may, as the radiance of Christ is seen, may it be seen in us, your servants. And Father, may we, with humble hearts, humble attitudes, be eager to be about the will of the Father. Father, we come now to hear your word. Father, in the power of your spirit, I pray, Lord, that you will help us. Help us to receive. Help us to be encouraged. And yet, Father, help us to walk to your glory and praise. Amen. Verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we renounce the hidden things because of the shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing and in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said... Light shall shine out of the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. We've been looking at this text and we've we began because in in verses six through 18, we see Paul contrasting the old covenant to the new covenant. All right, now that we have understood the greater glory of the new covenant, now we start looking at. How, in light of what's going on in our lives, do I deal with this? Okay, that's the problem. I guarantee you, everybody in this room is struggling with something, has just got done struggling with something, or is preparing to struggle with something. All right, this life, you will have tribulation. People say, well, you know, the Bible's true. The Bible says in this life, you'll have tribulation. Tell me that's wrong. Right? And last week I showed you the trials of Paul. And Paul, he lists them. You know, chapter 1, verse 3, 5 and 6, 8, 9, and 10 of chapter 1. You see it in chapter 2, verse 4. You see it in chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 8 through 12. Chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Chapter 6, 4 through 8. Chapter 7, 5 and 6, 11, 23 and 11, 3. Paul was having a tough time of it. He was burdened. He he says at times, I, we were in so much distress, we thought we were going to die. Okay, and now most of us, when we get into stressful situations, we feel like no one understands. Really? There's been a whole long list of understanding. 
But we like to focus on the stress. I have a text, a verse that you've all heard that I've memorized. No temptation has seized you, but that that is common to man. God is faithful and he always provides a way out. Okay. You know why, what happens in our temptations? When you have a trial, what do you focus on? The trial. You know what I learned? Look for the escape route. He's already promised it. And if I sit and focus on the trial, what happens? Have you ever been around people who always complain? Nothing ever goes right. I mean, you just talk to them and there's times you think, man, suicide might be good. You're running in people, right? They just complain, complain, complain about this, complain about that, complain about that. And and that's all they ever do. Okay. There's some who complain every once in a while. All right. But I know people right now. I know people who are saved right now. All they do is complain. And I thought, you know what? If the only thing you ever gained in your life was eternal salvation. Really, what do you got to complain about? Okay. Don't those people get to you? I mean, there's times that if they're really good at it, you find yourself avoiding them. Maybe you guys are more gracious than me. Uh, I avoid them. And if all you're going to do is complain, call 1-800-somebody. Okay. But isn't that true? All right. You know what? You read the life of Paul, very seldom you ever hear him complain. And yet in this text dealing with ministry, he talks about the heartache and the burdens and the suffering that he has gone through. The end of chapter 11, he sits there and he goes to this big long list. I was in trouble in the country. I was in trouble in the city. My countrymen want me dead. I've been beaten. I've been uh, whipped. I've been stoned. And, and I go, go to this. And then his last phrase is always the one that struck me. And my daily concerns for the churches. In this letter, we can see the depth of Paul's heart. We see the weight and sometimes it is overpowering his human strength. He's human. And you know what? As a human, life sometimes is a bummer. It just don't go the way you plan it. You look at Paul's ministry and you would say there's times there. What was the point of that? And yet he never complained about it. The church exploded on him in Ephesus and there was a riot and everybody that was with him was scattered and he had no idea where anybody was. And he was so distraught that a door was open for the gospel in Troas. Now you think about that. A door open for gospel and Paul. Dude, there's the bowl in the china shop. All right. And he says, but I had no rest in my spirit. And I went on to Macedonia. That is one of the most encouraging texts in my life. Why? Paul missed an opportunity. I don't feel so bad when I miss opportunities. But he walked away from it because that burden was so massive that even when a door was opened, he walked away from it. 
I know none of us have ever done that, but if you do, know that you're only following Paul. There are times in Paul's life that it was beyond his ability to cope. Anybody been there? Ever stepped into that boat and said, boy, I don't understand this. And yet, he writes to the Corinthians because there were many who were defecting the message. They were moving away from it. The theology. We hate that word. You can preach that even into a group of pastors, and as soon as you say theology, they glaze over. It's just a study of God. That's all. What else are you going to do? You ought to see me in trivial pursuit. The key to the gospel is its simplicity. Throughout history, since the birth of the church and even today, religion has complicated the gospel. I seen today, was, I guess it would have been yesterday. I don't know. It's in Italy, in Rome. They have just had the message for the beatification of the Pope. Okay, do you know what that means? I had to go look it up. It means he is blessed. No, and he's dead. Sorry. All right, but we're, this is on the step of sainthood. You know what? I already got sainthood. And there's days I feel blessed. And some others I could shake about him. But, you know, Right? Because we have the simplicity of the gospel. It isn't complicated. I see religions out there and some quote-unquote churches that have complicated things. And it's just simple. If you get into trials and tribulations, how do you fix it? I get counseling. Really? But I thought he spoke existence into being. And you're getting what? I don't understand that. That is the most mind-boggling thing that I have ever seen. We will chase everything but Christ. And yet we will claim that we have faith. And I will tell you something that I mentioned last week. I can tell by your devotion to what you have faith in. Pastor Paul, we are devoted to our 401ks and our savings accounts. Therefore, where is my faith? You know, my savings account just recently, um, we worked pretty hard last year and managed to save some money. And it was kind of cool. You know, we're just sort of, you know, maybe we'll get the house painted or, you know, maybe take a vacation. And then I had that wonderful trip to the accountant. And God says, you've got just enough savings to pay your tax bill. And so you smile real big and say, amen. (laughs) Don't you? Thank you, Jesus. But you find yourself drifting over and over and over to a devotion. And that will reveal your faith. The Apostle Paul is trying to show us all of this 
complexity that we like to add? You think about your lives. Because I wish every one of you could have had about five hours to sit down and talk to Pastor Paul and his wife and daughter and see what life is. Okay? And you would realize just how complicated you've made it. I I use that correctly. You've made it. Because you are believers of the new covenant. It is not complicated. Not only is it not complicated, it is simple. And yet we try everything. Until we get to the end of our proverbial spiritual rope, and then what do we do? We cry out, Abba, Father. And you know what? You should have been doing that, and you'd have saved yourself a whole lot of wasted energy. That is the life of the Apostle Paul. When it comes to his life, really, do you think he had a pretty good handle on theology? He was only taught by Jesus for three years in the Arabian desert. That's a pretty good professor. All right. And then you can look at his life experience and see this man lean full weight nonstop on his theology. Paul is telling you and I, he's screaming it from the heavenlies. It's simple. What God does is simple. Mankind complicates. If you don't believe me, look around. We complicate things. Faith in Christ. If I say I have faith in Christ, then I have a devotion to Christ. I'm devoted to Christ. Absolutely devoted to Christ because I have faith in Christ. I got to ask you one question. How many times in the course of seven days do you read your Bible? I remember a guy one time told me, he says, Terry, you have made the Bible an idol. And my first response was, what? Then my second response is, dude, you should have seen the other things I used to worship. (laughs) But in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Not a bad idol. Not a bad idol. And yet, I know that in this simplicity, uh, I have been mocked. They'll say things like, well, you just don't understand. And I look at them, and I use one of my favorite terms that Jesus ever used. Have you not read? You say you're wise. Have you not read? Well, it's more complicated than that. Oh, you have not read. <laughs> Listen, I, I look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He's probably one of my dearest friends. And I think about the heartache and the suffering that he had to have endured. I mean, he was a man that his own people wanted him dead. He came out of the Pharisees. Uh, When he became a Christian, they hated him and they wanted him dead. The Christians he had already persecuted and many had been put to death under his leadership. They were a little gun shy about him. I mean, Barnabas had to take him into Jerusalem and they're like, what are you doing with this yo-yo? They said, but, you know, people are being saved through this man's ministry. 
But they still, if you look at the history of the church, they were still uneasy about it. This is the same guy who confronted Peter because when the Judaizers came, he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. Now, you think about that one for a minute. Stand up and confront Peter, especially after you were killing Christians. And yet Paul says that there's nothing more to this than a devotion to Christ. Our faith in our devotion is where it starts and it's where it ends. I look at the troubles in our lives. I had one of them weeks that went on for a month. I mean, it's like this last week, if it could go wrong, it did. And if it could really go wrong, it did it in spades. I mean, it just you just kind of shook your head and think, well, you know. Oh, well. And yet I kept thinking, here's who I'm studying. This is what I'm looking at. This is what I've been absorbing. Did I really think I was going to get out of this thing without a scratch? (laughs) We have struggles in our lives. We have problems. Paul had problems. Have you ever had any failures in your life? Just when I was born. (laughs) No. Then it kind of went downhill from there. Have you ever had plans that just went poof? Have you ever noticed... Even when those failures you have and you, you've walked through that valley, another valley's on the way. And if you're really honest with you, most of our lives in this room are a mess. Some of it's self-inflicted. Okay? But for the most part, I mean, there are objects in... Things that happen in our lives, you have no control over. I have no control over the stock market. You know, some of you are retired or trying to retire and all the rest of it, and all of a sudden, your retirement just poof, it's gone. Some of us have lost jobs. Some of us wanted to educate. My kid, my youngest kid, three years of college, I am scraping by to pay his college. He comes out in the third year and says, Dad, I think I'm going to join the Army. Why didn't you do that three years ago? I'd have had a bigger savings account and could have given more to the government. <laughs> I wish it was a tithe. No. <laughs> but it just keeps going. And the Apostle Paul says, even the glory of the new covenant has a glory that abounds. And if I'm looking at the trials, if I'm looking at the tribulations, guess what? You know what you're not looking at? The abounding glory of the new covenant. And you know what? We sing a song. Things of this world grow strangely dim. Right? And we think, oh, isn't that great? Then you get out Monday morning rush hour. And the things of this world are all of a sudden really bright. And it's easy. I had a friend of mine who used to drive downtown Denver every day for work. Okay? And I'm talking downtown Denver, where if you want to see the sky, you've got to look straight up. Okay? That part of Denver. Okay? And I kept thinking, what a... How... What the... Okay? You know what he told me he did? On his rearview mirror, he'd put a sticky note with a Bible verse on it, and he'd stick that up there, and he'd look at that, and he would take the time that in rush hour traffic to drive, and he would memorize that all the way in. And he said if he had it down by lunch where he could just recite it, then he would change it on the rush hour back out in the afternoon. He said if he, he couldn't repeat it at noon, then he would keep it up there and try it on the way out. 
When he first told me, I thought, that's kind of corny. But you know what? Man knows his Bible. And I have seen him go through an awful lot of stuff. I've seen him be heart sickened over some of the stuff that happens in the body of Christ. And you know what? He never wavers. He never wavers. This text, verse 18 says, but we all. Do you know who that is, right? Yeah, it's a southerner. We all. <laughs> okay, which is better than wins, right? We all. That means all of those who the veil has been removed, who have turned to Christ. We all who have entered into the new covenant, have been embraced in the new covenant. We all with unveiled face. There's nothing hiding it. You don't have to go to your priest. You don't have to go to your pastor or a theologian. We all with unveiled. It is not hidden. It is not a picture. It is not a shadow. It is not something looking through a cloth at. It is unveiled. What is it? Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord. The Apostle Paul, with all of this heartache that he had, it never destroyed him. It never defeated him. Even this church, the Corinthians, hurt Paul. We'll look at it, but Paul had come back on a surprise visit. And this is the church that he founded. He's sitting in the audience and false teachers stood up and started accusing him of selling the gospel for sex. You know what hurt him? No one defended him. He says, but Christ stood with me. These are his people. He birthed this thing. Three years of his life he gave to these people. He poured his life into these people for what pain? Somebody said, wounded love is the deepest pain, unquote. Paul's life was taught and seen. How do I overcome? How do I stand? And the answer that we have is this text. You see it there in your outline. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look that is very clear. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look that transforms. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look that strengthens. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look that purifies. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look at loving truth. When I look at the face of Jesus, I look at the privilege. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look that humbles. When I look at the face of Jesus, I have a look that granted sovereignly to me. And then you take it back to verse 18 and it says, we all. We all. Pastor Paul gave me one of my greatest compliments that I've ever received in my entire life. I'm a one book man. They tell me I'm narrow minded. I tell them I confuse easily. Once I've got this one down, I'll move on. 
Paul, regardless of what was going on in his life, kept his eyes on Jesus and he never diverted. Every time that you've hit the ditch, what were you looking at? I can tell you what you weren't looking at. Because when I'm looking at Jesus Christ, it really does not matter what's going on. I don't care what it is. It's the simplicity, I guess, of the devotion to Christ. Why? Because it's very clear. It is unveiled. Theology. Knowledge. I know God. When you see ology, it's the study of theo is God. I am studying God. The experience is to walk in that knowledge. Right? Take your eyes off of Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. What happens? I can tell you what happens every time. Every single time you will become devoted to something else. And you will literally put your trust in it. You know, uh, my uh, wife is uh, getting near retirement, (laughs) which means I am. And she says, well, uh, do you have, what are we going to do for retirement? And I said, my calculations are starve. <laughs> and, and she says, well, but, you know, we, we have a house and, and some things. And she says, well, what will we leave the kids? I said, I'm trying to go out with a zero-sum game. And she said, what? And I said, I came in with, and if I leave with, then there won't be any squabbling over what I've left. Right? And you know what? If you're really honest with yourselves, isn't that a good stewardship? No, my wife ain't sold on it yet. But see, I can talk about her because she's still on the other side of the Mississippi. I think about this man walking on the Damascus Road and this great light literally blinded him. And he was on the outside. This brilliance, this radiance hit him, but it was nowhere near the light that was on the inside. You can be blind on the outside, but Paul began seeing on the inside. Philippians chapter 3, he says, I count all things. Dung is the literal translation. Rubbish, filth. All things. How about you? Or do you have one eye on Jesus and one eye on... You ever tried to drive a car looking in your mirrors backwards? Try to do the speed limit looking in your mirror backwards. Why? Your focus ain't quite right. See... Paul understood that I can count all things as filthy, all things as dung, because I saw God in the face of Christ. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. That is salvation. If that has not happened to you, are you ready? You ain't saved.
Do you understand what I just said? I don't care how long you've attended church. I don't care if you were the director of VBS. I don't care what you've done. If you have not saw God in the face of Christ, you ain't his. And you have complicated it so you look religious. I've never committed adultery. I haven't stolen since I've been saved. Because I think we've all stolen before we were saved. Even if it's just a piece of candy. We'll give it back. All right. But if you haven't seen the face of Christ, the glory of God, you ain't his. Because, brothers and sisters, that's salvation. That's where it cuts, right there. You were in the kingdom of darkness. Okay, do you understand what that means? Who had rule over you? Well, now you're in the kingdom of light. Who has rule over you? Christ. And let me tell you something. I love every one of you, but that is visible. I can see it. And some of you had better do a reality check. Because if you were in the kingdom of darkness, then this world ruled you. If you are in the kingdom of light, this world can't rule you. And yet I look in the bride of Christ today and what do I see? The kingdom of darkness ruling. We all, no matter what the darkness is around us, see the face of Christ. We all. It is clear. It is in this mirror. Behold, look. Hebrews 11. You take that, it is the, we call it the faith hall of fame. You see all of these great men and women of the faith. You know what is amazing about that text? These are the heroes of the faith. These are the models of faith. But do you understand what is amazing about that text? They couldn't see God clearly. They had pictures. They had types. They had ceremonies. They were looking as through a veil. They couldn't see God clearly. Clearly, and yet they are held up to you and I as models of what our walk should look like. And they couldn't see clearly. You and I have the real. You know what's amazing about a shadow? Something has to cast it. They looked at the shadows. You and I in the new covenant look at what is casting the shadow. We look at what is the picture. What is the type? Moses got a glimpse of his glory. Remember, what is glory? Glory is the manifestation of his attributes. He said, show me your glory. And he says, I'll hide you here. And as I walk by, you will see my Mercy and grace. His attributes. The new covenant. 
you and I see the glory of God in the person of Christ. The heroes of the faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews seen what was coming, but they never seen it. They expected it. Jesus is the full blazing glory of God. Hebrews, verse 3, chapter 1, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact word of his power. You know what that means? God, the complete manifestation of every attribute of God is in Jesus Christ. And you and I under the new covenant can see it intimately as in a mirror. As in a mirror. See, that's the point. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Look into the face of Jesus and see the glory of God. Simple. That ain't hard. That for Paul was enough reason to trust. Increasing understanding of the nature of God. Is that a passion of yours? Is that a devotion of yours? See, I see people, it's like my buddy says, many in the body of Christ now are trying to master the word instead of the word mastering them. Every time I look at the Bible, I don't care what the text is, all right, I am looking for the nature and character of who is God. Because every time I look at that, you know what? I don't have to worry about pride. How in the heck do you have pride if you're looking at the glory of God? I don't have to worry about pride. I don't have to worry about adultery. I don't have to worry about stealing. I don't have to worry about coveting. I don't have to worry about any of those things. Well, hey, look, check it out. Dude, why would a Christian covet when you will only inherit your joint heirs with Christ? You know, these people are just wasting it right now. Fine, he's going to make a new heaven, a new earth. And I still, still going to be there. And yet, what do we do? Listen, brothers and sisters. The most important thing in your entire life, okay? Most important thing. Please hear me well on this. There is nothing more urgent or more important in your life at this moment is to have an understanding of the nature of God. How do you live your life? See, I watch people live their lives and I know what their understanding of God is by the way they live their lives. It's very simple. You can spot it. You live and are able to deal with the issues of life by how you understand God. That's why the Apostle Paul says, in everything, give thanks. Well, what would everything be? Well, that would be everything. Right? Driving my car out at Smith's, a friend of mine's ranch, go up over a hill and all of a sudden the car goes, boom, and you start doing this. And you're like, boy, I hope that's a flat. So I stop the car, I get out, tires full of air. Should I lay hands on it? How about a match? No. 
Sure enough, that, we call it a lateral. Um, it's a lateral tie rod. It holds the tire this way. Has sheared off, and now it's like that. And so I called my buddy, who's a mechanic. He said about two grand. <laughs> How do you give thanks? I don't know. But if I look at the face of Jesus, really, is that that big a deal? I still have a truck. I got two trucks. I guess God wants me to drive a truck. We're going to be cozy as we go to Santa Fe. <laughs> Except for Lois, she'd be riding in the back. No, I'm just kidding. You live and are able to deal with every issue of life when you understand God. Who is he? I understand more clearly the face of Jesus Christ because there's a clarity in this new covenant. This isn't hidden. The new covenant has allowed every believer the privilege to look fully into the face of Jesus Christ to see the radiant glory of God, the creator of existence. And it's every believer's privilege. And if you are truly saved, then it will become a focus of your life. When I told you about getting the Gideon's Bible in the uh, hotel in Atlanta, I had just come from the funeral of one of the greatest preachers that ever walked this planet. Talked to his widow, his two boys. They were all celebrating, ecstatic. How is that possible? You just buried your father, your husband. You do not understand. He only had but one life to live. And what he lived, he lived for Christ. Now he rests and is in the presence of God. How can we grieve? And you just sit there and go, well, all right. <laughs> it's awesome. This man has impacted more lives than you'd ever dream of. You'll never hear of his name. He's the one who told a guy who was working for youth for Christ that if he doesn't immerse this thing in prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit, he will be useless. Because everybody was telling him that if you try to speak to a teenager for more than 15 minutes, you're wasting your time. He took him down to the Welsh countryside and they spent a week begging the Holy Spirit for his work, his power, his prayers. Anytime that he was anywhere near this man, when he was coming in to preach, he would ask for this man to come and pray over what he was preaching. The man I was talking about preaching for Youth for Christ is Billy Graham. This guy told him that if you ain't doing it in the Spirit of God, you're waste, you're just pompous. That was his words. Little Welsh guys can say that. They spent that week down there in the Welsh countryside and they went back into London. And when he got into London, Billy Graham preached for one hour and 35 minutes to teenagers. And never lost a one of them's attention. Now, if you don't think that isn't remarkable, think about this. It was at Wembley Stadium. There was more than five but he did it in the power of the Spirit. This man stepped into glory. We're still here. 
How do you walk past that? We with all un, with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God. It becomes the focus of our lives. That was Paul's concern. Somehow Christians get distracted. Christians don't really get distracted, do they, Paul? I mean, our gospel is so simple. How can we be distracted? I mean, the only way you can distract somebody is if you make it complicated. Oh. And you don't think we don't make it complicated? Every week I get somebody telling me how to grow the church. I'm almost sure that I read he said he was going to do that. And he didn't really need me to put my church growth plan in. You know what my responsibility is? You guys are going to be bummed out. Give each and every one of you as much theology as I get. I spent all week long soaking it up, soaking it up, soaking it up, so I can pour it out on your butts on Sunday. This doesn't sound that glorious, does it? And I go back tomorrow, I'll start filling the tank again so I can dump it back out. And then I trust the Spirit that as our brothers has already shared, His Word will not go out and not accomplish what He sent it for. Christ came, God manifested. How do I maintain my joy? How do I maintain confidence in this life? How do I have hope? How do I get through this mess? Look at the face of Jesus. Period. Glory of God. That's all. The nature and character of God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And you know what is, I think the most amazing thing that you and I miss, for, for whatever reason, is that there's nothing between us and the Lord. Oh, you don't understand. No. If you're going to think that way, I'm going to ask you one question. Have you not read? There's nothing between me and God. That's why you and I get to pray. You don't have to call me up and say, can you pray for this? What are you, got laryngitis? You pray. I don't have a red phone. There's nothing between a child of God and their eternal father. I share prayer requests because when God answers them, I want a whole bunch of people to say, dude, he answered that. I ain't sharing it with you because I need you to assist. Maybe we, if I get enough people badgering him, we can get something done. No, I share it with you because when this thing gets answered, we'll all stand back and go, whoa. The new covenant, the veil is off. Remember when Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the the Father. And then it's so amazing because he says, behold, look, look as in a mirror. Okay, a mirror is close. Jesus is close. Look. And I shared with you two weeks ago, what is the mirror? Scriptures. Genesis to Revelations. I don't think he had anything to do with the maps. But Genesis to Revelations, he did inspire the index. 
Genesis to Revelations, you will see the person of Christ. I challenge you, read your Bible every day this week. And every text, whatever you're reading, look for Jesus. And you'll see. You know what? You can go to the book of Esther and God is never mentioned and all you see is Jesus. (laughs) God, the word God is not in the book of Esther. But all you see is Christ. I see Christ in his ministry here on earth for those three years in the whole book of Esther. I look in this mirror, the Bible, and it reflects the glory of the Lord. It is the person of Jesus. There is no hindrance. There is no veil. I behold, I look upon him. We all have full access to God's glory. It is revealed in the face of Christ Jesus. Look at his ministry. When I went through the book of Matthew years ago, um, if you watch, it's an amazing book. The book of Matthew looks at the royalty, the, the kingness of Jesus. It starts out with his birth. Here's, here's his birth lineage. He has the right to the throne of David. Okay? But then it just cranks up. And you will watch him, whether it's the Galilean ministry, the Perean ministry, the Samaritan ministry, or the Judean ministry. You see it, and he just does miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, it is almost, as some, one writer said, it is almost like death and disease ceased in Palestine for three years. I mean, he was getting people out of the grave that didn't even want to get out of the grave. People who had died, he says, oh, don't worry, I don't even have to go over there, they're up. And he runs back and his little girl's up. And you're like, oh, gee, many crickets. Long distance healing. Right? But if you look at it honestly, you will see he showed that he had power over death. He had power over creating. You feed 5,000 people with four fish. Well, that's big fish. Right? You see that he had power over the demons. I mean, they were afraid of him. He had power over nature. He had power over every single physical affliction. And yet he had mercy and grace on the weeping and the wounded. Remember the adulteress that they were bringing to stone? It didn't matter what you did. He had authority and power over all of existence. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples. That's amazing. You look at that. Tell me one thing on this planet. He has not does not have absolute authority over. You can't find it. It's not in there. There's nothing in existence that isn't his footstool. That's the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Now, I got to ask you a question. What problem do you have? Really? When you start focusing on yourself and your problems, guess what you're not focusing on? And you have just stepped back into the kingdom of darkness. You want to be ruled by who? That's your options, people. Well, you just don't understand. I'm morally neutral. (laughs) You're morally stupid. 
Um, do you see what I'm trying to get at? That is the silliest thing I ever heard. Nobody's going to get, has anybody ever named a kid? Me, my son, Lucifer. No, we don't do that. We don't want to be there. Well, you still don't understand. I just don't want Christ. Therefore, you want Satan. Because you only get two options here. There is no Switzerland in the spiritual realm. You're either for me or against me. We all have full access into that glory. All we need to know about God, all we ever need to understand and wonder of God, His character, His beauty, His love, His mercy, His grace, His loyalty, His power, His care for His own, His ability to supply, all we will ever need, He will supply. And it is all seen in Christ. Remember what they used to say about Him? No one spoke as he spoke. No one ever cared for people. Do you understand? He cared for all people. You know, I hear people saying, well, I'm going to go to a a black church or a a Chinese church or a Mexican church or I'm going to go to this like that. What? No. Listen, if there's a language barrier, I'm in. You don't want me trying to speak in a Russian church without an uh, interpreter. Trust me. I know where is the bathroom, how to get a cab. Good morning, good evening, good day. Thank you and please. Short message. <laughs> he cared. You see his power over the poor. You see him with the sick. You see him with the weeping, weeping. You see him heal. You see him defeat demons. You see him to overpower nature and death. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. He fulfills it all. He is the radiance of his glory. I hear people tell me, well, he's a good person. He's someone to model after. No, man, he's God. He's God. The radiance of it. All the glory that is God is Jesus. Who and what is God? Jesus. You're going through trouble, trials, heartache. Perhaps you're blessed and you're just dealing with annoyances. Believe you'll make it? If you'll behold in the mirror, you'll see the revealed glory of God. Then you will trust and you'll have confidence. You know what happens? Your faith will be based on a theology that you will now become devoted to. It will overpower you. You have the theology and you will go through experiences. And I hear people saying, well, I'm I'm looking for an experience. You're looking for an experience. You're going to find one. Guaranteed. Okay. Question is darkness or light? I seen Pink Floyd at Three River Stadium. I got news for you. That's an experience. Ain't no Jesus there. You'll find experiences. The question is, whatever the experience it is, even if you break the strut on your car, are you looking to the glory of God based on your understanding of who is God? 
You want to know what God is like? Then you look at Jesus. You follow Jesus. You want to know what is going on around you? Do you understand in Hebrews 11, you have all of these men and women who had no clear view of God? They didn't understand. They were expecting, but they did not understand. You have And that verse ends with such a cloud of witnesses. Look at these people who have gone before you. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, now you are in the light. We should do more. We should be more faithful. We should be more devoted beyond their understanding. Because we have the reality of God manifest in all of his radiant glory in the person of Jesus Christ. See him for who he really is. God's mercy, the glory of God, the person of Jesus. It's simple. Listen, I hate to break the news to you. That's salvation. If that ain't there in you right now, you're not saved. And if you look at that text, you'll see that you're being transformed in the same image from glory to glory. It means it keeps getting bigger and bigger. I was going back to my notes in Hebrews. And I think, what a sorrowful job I did in that book. You know, you go back through and this thing has already showed up. And this thing showed up. Oh, man, I can't believe I missed that. Oh, gee whiz. As we grow in our knowledge of who is God in the face of Jesus, then you will become submitted to it. It will overwhelm you. It will overtake you. That is how you are saved. That is how you are sanctified. An ever-increasing vision of Christ. Beholding as in a mirror. Who is? We all. Continue to look into his face and things around us. Really? Really? This world offers me what? Broken cars. Listen, I, I hate to break the news to you, being that you're all sitting down. There's no big secret in the Christian life. It is all extraordinarily clear, and it is visible to all who do not have the veil on. If the veil is on, the God of this world has you. If the veil is removed, then you should have a devotion to seek the person in the face of Christ with every breath you take. If that's not part of your life, then the God of this world has you. I mean, if you really think about it, it's very simple. I like it. The Christian life is simple. It's just you and I who want to make it complicated. So understand, the face of Jesus is extraordinarily clear to those who have an unveiled face. Let's pray. Father, to you be the glory in all things. Father, I uh, thank you for my brother Paul. Father, how you used a man 
a devout enemy to become a devout follower. Father, may we who are called by your name be devoted as Paul was. Father, many distractions, you know that. And yet, Father, I pray in the simplicity of our message that we look to the face of Christ and we focus, pinpoint on it. No matter what's going on, we look to him, period. Help us, Lord. Help us with a longing and a zeal that we may be devoted to the King of kings and Lord of lords and grow in our knowledge of the radiance of Christ. In his precious name, amen.